Ik, uh, <laughs> Amy, I, I, I understand you've canceled my, uh, my segment, my update segment. Is this because I was a bad update correspondent? And you're passively, aggressively, you just canceled me? Or is there another reason? <laughs> Why is there no more booby update? Um, okay, first of all, I do not have uh, exclusive final say on stuff here. Like, mm. it, it's a we operation. Okay, Dor and Amy. Yeah. You canceled me, Dor. In a way. In a way. You, you stabbed me in the back. I none none of friend. us, listen, none of us okay. are responsible. This is not the time to talk about responsibility. Emotionally raw coverage. One day, mm-hmm. I don't know when, but we're going to turn over all the stones uh-huh. and we're going to find whoever's responsible. Yes, Vadat Chakira. Yeah, we're going to do a whole, um, you know, investigations committee. Yes. We're well, gonna, that's what the politicians are saying. We're going to win the war and then figure out who, who made the mess. Right. But yeah. I will say in the interim that Although I can't really take responsibility or deflect it, you, you've done amazing work. Thank you. I mean, 14 and 15 with you were... Oh, Off the hook. If anyone hasn't listened to them, Be Kind, Rewind, 14, 15. Highly rated episodes. Amazing episodes. And, you know, I think, I think you have enough on your plate. Now you have that gun license. You're watching a community. You're a dad. You we're going to shake it up a little bit. Yeah. There we go. Hi, I'm Amy Sapan, and this is October 7th, Emotionally Raw Coverage, coming to you straight from Tel Aviv with my wonderful partner in Love and Light, Dor Comet, and here with us in the studio today, we have Jonathan Gall. Hello, hello. Happy to be here again. So who are you, Jonathan? We would love to know. I mean, I just met this guy. 26 days ago? What day of the war is it today? The 26th? I guess. Yeah, we, so I met Dor. Wait, this is the episode covering November 1st, Wednesday? Let's, yeah. give, let's give the time frame. Yes, today. We're covering Wednesday, November 1st, and we are actually recording on Wednesday, November 1st. We skipped Halloween. Okay. We skipped recording on Halloween because, frankly, everything has been spooky as fuck. Yes. So we just took a day for ourselves. And so you've known him since October 7th. So it's 20-something days. Do you guys feel like you you know each other? Like you're, you're yeah, pretty... I'm ready to meet the parents. Yeah. <laughs> Gadi Komet. Shout out. Shout out to Gadi the parents. Gadi and Toby Komet. Invite me over for dinner, please. I'm a great dinner guest. I'm sure. By the way, I want to invite both of you for a future episode to come to my Moshav Givat Nili, the little uh, t- town where I live. I think it will make a really good episode because not only does it show, and let's get serious for a second, how regular Israelis are dealing with the situation and volunteering for security and our relationships with our neighbors, the Arabs, but also there's a lot of history that has to do with Zionism and the Jewish-Palestinian problem in the ground. I want to take you around and show you where this was and this was. There's a lot of stuff. Would you you, you come? I would absolutely come. I'll come tomorrow. Can we do an on-location episode, though, technically? Yes, exclamation point. But who are you? Who, like my bio? You remember from Alice in Wonderland where the caterpillar like does the smoke rings and then Alice appears and he's like, but who are you? Who? 
I'll, I'll, I, okay, I'll, I'll introduce myself to the listeners. My name is Bubi G. That's uh, my stage name. And how Dor and uh, many of my friends know me because when we were growing up, when I was growing up in the 90s before cell phones, my friends used to call my house and my mom used to pick up and they'd say, Yonatan, and she would say, Bubi, yes, telephone. And that's why I'm known as Bubi. For, Both, for our listeners that don't speak Hebrew, people yes. would call and say, hey, can we speak to Jonathan? Mm-hmm. And then his mom, because... It's like a universal thing about moms. You got to love them. Yep. Would just be like, booby. Booby. By the way, for American Jews, booby is grandmother uh, most of the time. When you say booby, I think about boobs and my tits. That's, that's, that was the idea. <laughs> <laughs> and also booby G kind of reminds me of like booby trap. So it's like booby gangster. I don't know. There's a lot of like things going in my head uh, uh, right now. It's, it's, it's emotionally raw coverage. That's, that's what's <laughs> supposed to happen. My mother, by the way, whom you mentioned, her name is Ivria, which is a special uh, name, a Hebrew, a Hebrew Female of the Hebrew species, Ivria. Both my parents are therapists, psychologists. I grew up in this house where we talk about our shit a lot. Everything is on the table. We talk about emotions. And that's why today I make podcasts. I like to talk to people and I'm good uh, interviewing people. People open up to me. I open up to people. So that's uh, that's the straight line. I, if you want the bio, I come from radio in Israel. My army service was Galei Tzahal, which is the army radio. I worked in TV most of my the last uh, two-something decades. I worked for Mr. Guy Pines. Have you heard that name? Mm-hmm. Mr. Pines is our number one entertainment uh, TV person. And uh, that, <laughs> that it's always a funny, a funny, uh, a funny thing. I would go out and interview like famous people and I would tell them, yes, I'm from the, the guy penis. Show. The what now? The guy penis show. It's a true thing. Amy, take a breath. <laughs> Amy, we lost Amy. It's just funny, too, because like I think anyone that doesn't know his really names like guy is an actual name here. Yes. It means valley. Right. Um, true. It's not just like. Oh, that, that guy's name is like dude. Like, <laughs> Male. Dude penis. Like <laughs> That's what his name is. His name is Guy Penis. We have so many um, video of like anybody famous in the 2000s interviewed for the show. And there's always a bit about the his name is Guy Penis. Anyway, let's not give too much uh, uh, time for that. That's who I am in a nutshell. I think... That my role here in this podcast, I'm looking at the both of you, Dor and Amy. I feel like Dor has all the uh, escapism covered. Right? Rock and roll, music, high-end coffee, the best places in Tel Aviv. This is the drugs we're going to do. He's the one telling our listeners that life goes on and we are able to compartmentalize in Israel and live our life. True? Exclam- <laughs> Exclamation point! Exclamation mark? Exclamation point! Exclamation mark? Exclamation mark? Exclamation point? Exclamation mark? Exclamation mark? I confused you. Exclamation mark? Exclamation. 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 E-X- 
C-L-A-M-A-T-I-O-N. Exclamation. This is the most psychedelic part of the episode. And I feel like now that I know you a little bit, you, you know your shit. You're, you're a serious person. You are in the world of journalism and activism. Uh, you know a lot of people. You've got your finger on the zeitgeist in relation to, to the war and to the ongoing conflict and to the, um, the discourse surrounding Israel in general on a high level, academic, uh, political, journalistic level. Uh, so I feel like when I come in, maybe I can, um, maybe I can be a counterpart to you for that. I feel like he gets, he gets bored if you talk too much politics, right? You can talk politics with me. We can get deep into history and politics that maybe, uh, though, uh, will zone out of that stuff. And maybe what I can also bring, first of all, I'm an old person. And I have kids, so I'm bringing that perspective. You're not old. No, but older person with kids. And maybe, can I, can I tell a little story at this point? Something from the world of pop culture. This, it's a little dark, okay? Uh, I found myself, you know, wondering what to watch on like Netflix and stuff. Um, you, you, you're looking for a distraction or something fun or I'm not going to watch the news all the time. I'm not going to watch the news at all. And for some reason, I, I scrolled through and I saw the Coen brothers, uh, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which is a movie that came out on Netflix a, a few years ago. It's a Coen brothers uh, anthology movie. It's like five or six short, short stories in one big movie. Do you see it though? The Coen Brothers, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, the one with like the five stories of the like Wild West stories. Beivrit, Mazaya? A Ballada shel Buster Scruggs. <laughs> it has the one... No, no, I you didn't see it. Did I, you see it? You I, saw it. I saw it. I didn't, you don't remember. I didn't love it. I didn't love it. Okay, there's one story in there that I really, really loved. Um, and it's about like this uh, covered wagon uh, caravan trail going to the West in, in America in the 19th century. And then there's this woman, she's alone and her, her brother dies and she has this little dog and there's the, the cowboy that's, that's uh, helping her out and they sort of fall in love. And it's really, really sweet. And I always loved that one story out of the five or six segments in the movie. And for some reason... I went back this week and I, I wanted to rewatch that one segment because I remembered I loved it and I thought it'll, it'll be fun to watch it. And I started watching it again, rewatching it, and I did love it. And it is great. I thought they're, they're such good writers and it's uh, uh, photographed so beautifully. And this, uh, this actress, uh, Zoe Kazan, she's so good. Everybody's good. But then, spoiler, in the very last scene of the movie, she's a, she's a woman alone out in the wilderness, she's with this old cowboy and uh, wild uh, uh, Indians, uh, Native, I'm using Americans. Native Americans, American Indians, um, but warriors are surrounding them. Uh, clearly uh, killers. They, they're going to kill them. 
And the old cowboy gives her, he has two guns. He has a shotgun and he gives the young lady a pistol. And he tells her, uh, hold on to this pistol. You've got one bullet, I think. It's not for shooting them. You're not going to shoot them. I'm going to shoot them. I'm going to protect us. You have a bullet here because if you see me going down, shoot yourself in the head. Because, and this is where he starts to list the things they're going to do to you if you are caught alive. And I saw this, uh, I saw this section, and I'm, I'm going to read the transcription here uh, because it's, um, if they catch you, he says, it won't be good. A trigger warning for everybody, okay? If they catch you, it won't be good, he tells her. After they take, they take off every stitch of your clothes uh, and have their way with you, they'll stretch you out with a rawhide, and then they'll drive a stake through the middle of your body into the ground, and then they'll do some other things, and we can't have that. So he's, he's, he's saying these terrible things, but he's, he's censoring himself. And I'm watching this at home, and I suddenly understand why I fucking chose this movie. This is the nightmare stuff that's going on in my head for the past uh, three weeks for, for many of us. I suddenly understand, like, something um, subconscious uh, remembered that scene and sent me to watch this movie again because I can't stop thinking of the poor people uh, uh, hunted down by these monsters, these cannibals, these, you know, attackers, and the horrible, unspeakable, unbelievable things that they did to people in the world, in our country, 45 minutes from here, in the year 2023. He gives her a bullet. And I can't stop thinking about that because of the horrible things that we know happened on October 7th. I thought maybe this is something we'll talk about today, about dreams. But uh, I, I've, I've been having this dream of, like, just give me, just shoot me in the head. It's, it seems it's such a relief to just die and not go through the horrible, horrible things that I keep you know, uh, seeing and hearing and uh, looking at uh, people recounting what happened on that day, the, the, the unbelievable violence and, and everything. I don't want to say the words anymore. I feel like we, we've said them enough. But I really, I had this dream where I'm, I'm held by the Hamas, but my hands are tied, and it's just a question of who's going to kill me, when, and what horrible thing are they going to do to me. And then there's, in my dreams, there's the Hamas lady, there's a Hamas female warrior. What did they call them? Uh, liberty, whatever. Terrorist. And I, I, I beg her to just shoot me in the head. Please, 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 please just shoot me in the head. Like in this movie that I saw. And, and then I get on my knees in the dream. And she, she says, she says, it's okay. I'm going to take care of you. We're going to do it quickly. You won't feel anything. She holds the gun to my head and, and, and she clicks it and something doesn't work. She says, oh shit, I'm sorry. We're going to try again. Five, four, three, two, one. And then I woke up. So my mind has been preoccupied with the horrors and the relief of a quick gun to the head death. And it attracted me to this one piece of Coen Brothers pop culture on Netflix. I just wanted to share that with you. Was that too much? No, definitely not. First of all, I'm, I'm I'm sorry to hear that you've been having nightmares, you know, waking 
waking hours are hard. Yeah. And then at night, that you're not you getting. Dream? Oh, yeah. I, I definitely dream. I'm a lucid dreamer. Um, in episode one, I, I spoke about how I dreamt about the Star of David and woke up and then journaled and then heard the first arid siren in Tel Aviv. And the dreams have been, every night has been about this in some way. A few nights ago, it was a dream involving a bottle of wine, like a very big bottle. And it's kind of like leaning over and it's only balancing on the table on like one part of it. Like it's about to collapse. And then people start playing tag and they're just like, you're it, you're it, you know, just like. And that was the least war-related one because nobody looked like this. But when I woke up, I realized that it was really about everything that's going on because it it just very much feels like, not to make light of anything here, but it feels like, again, being a kid in school when you're like powerless and there's bullies and there's people like boycotting you because you have an unpopular opinion or, you know, it's the boys telling you you can't play basketball with them because you're a girl or it's... Any sort of stuff that happens at school where like you maybe feel singled out and then I see everyone like, and I feel it also like name calling, which is something that, you know, kids used to do on the schoolyard. That's the tag part of the dream. Yeah. But like, what, what about the wine bottle though? And the wine bottle doesn't break, but it's like something that's about to break. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's something that. A threat of, of spits. Everything's spilling. It's like something that doesn't make sense in a sense because it's like the wine bottle doesn't break, but how is the wine bottle staying upright? Like right. it's defying the laws of physics. Okay. Something that came to mind while you were sharing your story of the nightmare towards the end where you said it's like you almost want to like blow your brains out because, I mean, there's something about like back... This book I was reading last week, Ellie Wiesel says, you know, if the people in the camps knew that people outside of the camps knew about what was going on, mm -hmm. they would have killed themselves. Mm. And now there's this thing where like people are still going through this nightmare, like over 230 people are still kidnapped in Gaza. Yep. And then, and there are people who are still literally grieving their dead. And there, there are people that are working in the, um, I forgot what it's called, the Matea Hatufim, mm -hmm. uh, the like warehouses where they have all the body parts that were trigger warning, like burned, beheaded, identifying, identifying the, the, using the, DNA. The and they still haven't identified lots of the people there. Yeah. So while this is still going on, and there are literally people right now in captivity, yes. there are people screaming over them and saying it didn't happen. We don't believe you. The proof, you know, it's it's very different than the Holocaust in that sense. Mm -hmm. And there's something also about this, this like everything we knew sort of, like I saw a clip an hour ago of Judith Butler, you know, the famous, she's an academic on the left, um, gender studies, like queer, okay. progressive. And it's, it's part of a lecture where she's saying that Hamas is part of the progressive global left. Mm. And there's this, moment where you know I have a BA I have a JD I loved being in school I used to cry when there were snow days like as a kid I loved being in the classroom and now not only knowing that if I were on campuses today I might be called out for being a Jew yep. like or 
people might say, let's find her and kill her. Or, you know, like at Stanford, they put a person in the corner. So everything that I ever knew or everything that we ever knew in a sense is like gone. Mm -hmm. And now it's like that framework that we had, mm -hmm. that social contract, leave aside also the completely like the, the physical violation, right? The physical yes. violations of of rape and torture and mutilation and the physical aspect. And then this other layer of it happening in the Jewish homeland that everybody was like, we'll have a homeland and then we'll be safe. Uh-uh, we're not safe in the safe rooms. They used RPGs to blast through. Literally, they're called safe rooms, the mamad, that a lot of these families were hiding in. Mm -hmm. So there's like nowhere safe to be. And then- and, and then also the framework of the entire system that surrounds everything that says, that's not acceptable behavior. People are saying, actually, mm, it is acceptable behavior. And that's a huge shift. And it reminds me of Fight Club. We talked about Fight Club, I think, last week. Mm. And that ending scene, well, if you haven't seen Fight Club by now, I mean, I... I, I Another Netflix rewatch <laughs> for everybody. Just watch it, rewatch it. But doesn't Edward Norton kind of, like, shoot himself, basically? Because... Isn't that like part of the plot? Like yeah, Brad yeah. Pitt doesn't exist and then he, he yeah, shoots he, himself to he like kind of... He has a bullet of... in his head for the last few minutes of the movie, for sure. Right. And his skull is kind of uh, and then there's gnarly. Like, there's like a question like, what is it really about? And it's like, okay, it, it's like he's blowing through part of his perception. And then the pixies start playing, where is my mind? And the buildings collapse. It's interesting to talk about nightmares because they... In your dream, you're, the, the kids are playing uh, tag. Y your association was, these are the anti-Semites on Instagram, right? These are the academics who have turned... That, the, those are the, the bullies and the name callers. It's, it's everything. I mean, it's also, I'm experiencing it like in Hebrew on my feed from all sorts of weirdness coming up in the local feed and then mm. all sorts of weirdness on the, the feeds abroad, you know? Um, but it's like yesterday I went to do Halloween with one of my best friends and her kid. And she's like my God kid. And then she was talking about school and like, she's in elementary school, like things that are annoying the other kids. And then we're like playing with Legos. And I was like, look, I'm not going to bullshit you. You know, like we have a really tight relationship. And I was like, I'm not going to bullshit you. The bullies are still going to be around when you're older. There's still going to be cliques when you're older. Like even at the cafe this morning, like in our neighborhood, I sat down at a table and then someone was like, no, please let me sit at this table. This is like my table. This is the table I always sit at. Like we're in middle school and it's like a saved spot. It's like it never really goes away. You know what I mean? Like the people that are still hijacking that are hijacking the classrooms today and not letting the teacher get a word in edgewise and picking on other students and name calling them. Like I remember the movie Revenge of the Nerds and I grew up believing like one day they just go away and like you don't have to deal with them anymore and they're just a bunch of losers. But now all those people have hijacked the mainstream discourse in a sense. Mm -hmm. They're like running around college campuses and being like throw the Jew down the well, you know, and it was the stuff that was on the margins and now it's like, somewhat accepted and then calling it out is like weird. So the whole, it's like the whole system has collapsed on itself, like from the inside. It's like really an implosion. Can I <laughs> ask you about that a little bit? Sure, I'm sure. Uh, I've been thinking about it a lot and I wanted to, to raise the question to you because you know 
Americans better than I, and you spend uh, more of your life in the States than me, and you're younger than me, can you explain to me the, the Gen Z, um, the young American progressive 20-something-year-old student who's not a Muslim or, you know, um, from a... a Arabic, Asian, Muslim families. Just like this regular, hipster, 23-year-old, you know, white, Caucasian-American in some college somewhere that's full-on uh, free Palestine, which I understand, but then the, the Zionist thing. Okay, I'll try my you, best. You told, <laughs> I think you told me something when we met last week about this uh, event where they said no Zionists. And I, I've been... I've only recently been exposed to uh, the, the word, their, their use of the word Zionists. No Zionists here, no Zionists there, you're a Zionist. It's like, obviously, in their world, a very, very bad thing to be a Zionist. And then the question I want to ask is, just say Jew. Why, what is all this Zionist thing? Just say Jew. You, you want to say no Jews. Can you... Give me a peek into their minds. What are they thinking? What are their beliefs? Do they differentiate? Tell me. Okay, so before we get to them, okay. I'm happy you brought up this like distinction between anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people here in Israel, mm-hmm. including on the Israeli, mostly in the Israeli left, and I just want to clarify, like, I feel like I'm an independent. Like I voted Democrat in most of the, in every election that I voted in, I voted Dems. Mm-hmm. But I'm like a staunch independent New Yorker. Mm-hmm. And I really don't like bullshit. And a lot of people right now are just like obsessively, and it's not something new. They're just like, is it anti-Zionism or is it anti-Semitism? Is it this or is it that? Like as if things happen in the world and then they get categorized and then based on that like it's really that's, tidy and it's not it and it's not tidy, tidy and like and it doesn't make it, it's like it doesn't all the categorization and talhanut like this kind of obsessive chit chatter mm-hmm. like neurotic back and forth about the thing isn't going to like fix it mm-hmm. and i feel like it's missing the point entirely people are still harping on is anti-Zionism anti-Semitic or not? And it's like infuriating that I'm still, I thought these conversations were going to disappear in the last few weeks, but I'm just still seeing them. And I'm just like, I'm pulling my hair when I see this stuff. Yes. So that's on this side. Now on the other side of the pond, like on these campuses, what's going on? Uh I have a few theories. Okay. Okay. So I think last week when you were introducing yourself, you mentioned the 90s and grunge. Mm -hmm. So it's worth mentioning that for a second you remember the movie reality bites with ethan hawk i think and ben stiller Stiller, of course this was like the 90s was all about like grunge and it was pearl jam and it was like kurt cobain and it was like ooh, we have mtv now commercialism versus integrity it was cool to be i'm not gonna sell out i don't want to make money i want to make my art and i want to be true to myself that's like a 90s ethos and then in later decades, when I meet young students today, everybody says, no, I'm happy to sell out. I want to make money. I'm not ashamed of wanting to be successful, which is a, a big shift from the 90s. But it had another edge in the 90s. Like, I think the movie Clueless is really important because there's this whole scene where Paul Rudd is watching CNN a lot. It's mm-hmm. like when the Yugoslavia wars were going on, I think. Yes. And, you know, Cher's character, she's just like, take me to Rodeo Drive, like with daddy's credit card and like... I'm going to, you know, buy like YSL or whatever and like wear my Chanel like skirt suit fit. And 
that's like that contrast where Paul Rudd's character is like, do you even know what's going on? And she's like a valley girl. She's like, as if, like Lucy's whatever. from El Salvador. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah, that, that line was really good. And then the 90s were really also about this kind of like, let's peel back like big corporate conglomerates and also like what's going on abroad. And there were a lot of calls for globalization. Mm -hmm. You know, people were like, we're going to globalize the world and corporations are going to like erode these nation state borders. And that was really what was going on also in academia at the beginning of the 2000s. It was like, we're going to really make the world smaller and we're going to make people more connected than ever before. Yeah, meanwhile, it's mostly about cheap labor from if I have a company in America and I just That was when you had a lot of the like protests against um, globalization, cheap labor, like the sweatshops, the Nike sweatshops. Okay. That was the 90s. Millennials, like I'm an elder millennial. Technically, I'm 1985. Yes. It's been a lot about like well-being, kind of nurturing what's going on at the community level, different things like that. And it's coming out of 9-11, George W. Bush, weapons of mass destruction, a lot of cynicism. Every phenomenon is a reaction to Absolutely. the thing before it. And now to get to Gen Z, mm -hmm. 2008. Okay. I think that 2008 was the keystone moment in most of the Gen Zers' lives because that's when the banks fell apart. That's when Lehman, like I was in New York when it happened during law school And it was Lehman Brothers shut down. Like this was, it was unprecedented what happened in 2008. This wasn't just like a little economic hiccup in the road. This was a it was really, bad. it was really bad. It was like law firms were gutting entire departments. Like thousands of corporate lawyers were laid off. That's just like one industry. And without a bailout, the economy would have collapsed and exactly. there would be a, a huge depression. So on the one hand, there were these bailouts and a lot of people were like really pissed off. They're like, why did the banks get the bailouts? Like, Student debt, we still haven't gotten a bailout. Like other people didn't get bailouts. And the other thing that was happening for average Americans is there were a lot of foreclosures. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of mortgages. A lot of these mortgages were, it's not like in Israel where it's really hard to buy a house. You have to put a lot of money up front and then the mortgages are, I don't have a house. I don't have a mortgage. So I can't really speak to this, but in the States, they were like giving away houses yeah. basically. And then when everything fell apart, they were like coming after the mortgage holders that had defaulted and they were foreclosing the houses. And a lot of Gen Zers grew up with that pain of mm. their parents having been laid off, of being like, I don't trust the banks. There was a huge public Everything's crisis. Everything's going to fall apart. Exactly. There's there was, no future. There was a collapse in, in faith in, in banking institutions. Yes. Corona, a collapse in faith. Yeah, Trump, a collapse in, in government. In the FDA, yeah. in science. What we're seeing now is a collapse in trust in media. And this is, it's like another notch in the belt, another ring in the, or another rung in the ladder over and over so, again. So I think that Gen Zers, mm -hmm. to bring it back, yeah. I'm looking at their comments a lot on these posts. They are a different animal altogether. They are, savage as fuck is like an understatement. Like they go for the jugular mm -hmm. and it's really cynical. It's a really- They don't believe anything anymore. They don't believe anything. So, so when I see a young person saying no Zionists, uh, they're basically, do they think that October 7th didn't happen? Do Some they? of them don't yeah. think that it happened. I saw a it's comment a yesterday that I reported, everything I've reported so far to Instagram and dozens of things that I've reported that my friends have reported. We have screenshots, you mm -hmm. know, I'll say that it's false information when, when it is. I saw a comment last night that was 
maybe 15 lines long and mm-hmm. explaining the entire Jewish-Israeli quote-unquote conspiracy mm-hmm. and where we put the babies, everything. I flagged it as false information. Mm-hmm. They have... Um, it's a fetishization of socialism that's going on amongst Gen Zers. Mm-hmm. Like you would never believe. I saw a picture last night, someone sent it to me, of a guy working at a Burger King wearing a Che Guevara t-shirt and a Make America Great Again hat. Like the juxtaposition of those images in one person, it's just, it's its so unreal. It's a hyper, it's a hyper surreal reality, I guess. But wait, I feel like I didn't do it justice though. Sorry. It's the Wizard of Oz. Explanation mark, it was too long. We didn't get anywhere, we just got started. We will keep going in the next episode. To be continued? Honestly, Dor, can we do the intro to the show again? I'm Amy Sapan, and this is my partner in love and light, Dor Comet, who also is like the Wizard of Oz behind the scenes, coming in the middle of the the, the great dictator. He's the Bibi of the pod. Coming when we're in the middle of a conversation, we're we're getting into it, and he's like, ah, no, 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 no. Thank you to Shema Productions. Jonathan Gall for dropping into the studio I'm, today. I'm staying here for the for the next back to back. We're going to do back to back. We're doing forward to the fast to the future in about five minutes. Maya Schlesinger, Dora Comet. You know, I I want to thank you, but I'm also a little bit annoyed. What is this? You're cutting us in the middle. We have so much.